could you use a little bit more peace in your life? Could you handle a bit more peace? If I was doling things out today and I offered you stress or peace, which would you take? Peace. Uh, I think we know. I think we do. A bit more peace in our lives would be very helpful. And we're going to be looking at that today. But I think one of the questions we need to ask ourselves is, well, what is peace? Really? I mean, so what do you think? When you hear the word peace, how would you define it? If someone said, tell me, what is peace? Lack of stress. Lack of stress, what? Sorry? Absence of war. Absence of war, okay, yeah. Barry? Contentment. Contentment, that's a powerful word. Absence of children. I'll just take this out of the video later. <laughs> but at lack of children in the house, okay, alright, we won't tell them you said that. But uh, alright, anything else? Peace? What's peace? Being quiet. Being, being quiet. Being quiet, perhaps being in the presence of quiet or relaxation. Yeah, relaxation. A sense of joy. A sense of joy. I mean, joy brings peace, or perhaps it's present when we have peace. Very good, yeah. Being on top of the mountain. Being on top of the mountain, as opposed to halfway up. Yes. <laughs> okay. Having a, having a connection with the Lord. Having a connection with God. Yeah. yeah. Something inside, regardless of what's going on around us. There's something inside that's a place of security settled. or peace or settlement. Being settled. Yeah. When no matter what's going on around, but there's something in here that's settled. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Simon. I was going to say having a Peaceful mind, you know, with your mind, you're not uh, yeah. angry or at war, you know. Yeah, the mind is is still or at peace in some way. Yeah, the thoughts are not disturbing. Yeah. There's a lot in it, isn't there? Actually, there's a lot in some one simple, simple word, a few letters, but there's a lot in it. And we're going to be talking a lot about peace today because it's something, frankly, we all need more of. I don't think it matters how long you've been a Christian, how long you've had faith, or whether you have no faith. Nonetheless, we all need more peace. We need more peace because more challenging things are coming. That's the case in all of our lives. I just don't want to scare you. But we don't know what's around the corner, but we do know there will be challenges ahead. And our world needs more peace. Our country needs more peace. And the only way, in my opinion, primarily at least, that our country is going to have more peace, our neighbourhoods are going to have more peace, is if we are peace bringers. If we ourselves have the peace that the world needs. To do that we must bring, we can bring the peace, but we must have the peace to start with. So wherever you feel you're at, even if you feel like, I'm a really peace-filled person, and if you are, that's wonderful. But I would say you're going to need more peace. So knowing how to have peace is critical to our effectiveness as Christians and our connection with God and many other things in our lives. I think the question might be, as we look at the passage today, is on what terms will we accept peace? Will we allow God to determine the terms of peace and how we get peace, or do we have our own ideas? Will we let him show us? Now, earlier in passage, in chapter 19, we've had Zacchaeus. You remember the story about Zacchaeus, the man who climbed the tree? He found peace with God through his repentance. And then we had the passage that Barry talked about last week, about the king that went away, and about the miners, and about putting to work what God has given us in terms of our gifts. And the people who put their gifts to work, 
had some sense of peace, they had a sense of reward from the, uh, from the master. But those who opposed the king, they did not have peace. And so that's the context of going into this passage here today. So let's read our passage in uh, Luke 19. <coughs> and the latter part of the chapter. So, Luke 19, and let's pick it up in verse 28. Luke 19, 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, (coughs) Go to the village ahead of you, (coughs) and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it, and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. And those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, <coughs> people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet... The stones will cry out. Mm -hmm. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you When your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, My house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching out to the temple. But the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it, because all the people hung on his words. What a passage. I I think this is... A fantastic passage of scripture, and I, I, and I love it very much. Let's dig into it and see what we can find uh, from it that will be useful for us today. The coming of the King of Peace. We begin there with the scene where Jesus gets his disciples to go and find the, the cult, and he gets on it, and, and there's the parade into Jerusalem, and everybody's singing his praises, except the Pharisees, and there's cloaks being laid down, and there's uh, you know, a scene somewhat similar to that. 
Jesus there and, and the cloaks are being laid down and the, and the palm branches, which are huge, are being laid down. A fantastic occasion. The king is coming to Jerusalem. Have you ever had someone important come? Someone special come to your house, to your workplace, to your school, to, to uh, something like that? Anybody? Yeah, Leon? Many, many years ago when I was working at Waterstones, the queen came to visit. The queen came to where you worked. Wow. Did she use Waterstone uh, points, credit? No. Uh, 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 uh. Okay. Did you give her a free book? Uh, no, okay, so the Queen came down. Well, I'm not sure any of us can top that. If anybody is, <laughs> can try. Uh, can, can you go, yes? Just going to be that Prince Charles. Prince Charles. Um, he came, how did you? came to oh, where I worked about oh, 10 years ago. Okay. He's the ambassador for the charity I used to work for. Ah. He came with a big flag. We came to service in the cathedral and I wow. shook his hand. You shook his hand? Oh, you better than Well, there you go. Actually, he came to my school in 1980. 1980, gosh. Okay, he came to my school in 1980 and I played the French horn in the school orchestra to him. There you go. I'm like, anybody else? The Queen? Prince Charles? Uh, we had William. We had Prince William last couple of years ago. I was not working actually. Prince William, where you worked, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay, we, we've got a trend of royalty here. Anything? <laughs> anybody? I'm a prime minister of as well. And you had what? But David Cameron? Go for Barack Obama. Barack Obama. Yeah. Okay. Prime. Don't that word stop? Well, it depends on your point of view when it topples down, right? Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Okay. It's hard to top the Queen. Pretty hard to top that, isn't it? Well, yeah. And, and sometimes you recognize, obviously, sometimes you recognize. Uh, a famous person that comes to your place. Sometimes you might not recognise, or might not recognise the significance. I, I, um, <clears throat> on a slightly different note, I uh, was looking for some old souvenirs recently, and I pulled out an old school diary, and I had it at home, and I, was, I read through my old entries from 1974. Okay, so we're going back a little while here. So in 1974, I was keeping a, a school diary, a, a diary of my life, and I, I, I was about 13 years old. And as, as an entry one day that says it was uh, Children's Day in Ashford today. I, I was, grew up in Ashford in Kent. And every year there was an annual Children's Day when all the local charities put on events and there was lots of fun for the kids and they, they made it uh, traffic free in the town for the day. And there was a lot of fun stuff uh, going on. So I wrote down, it's Children's Day today. I went into, into town and I saw Rolf Harris performing. Oh. Now at the time, for those of you who know, when I was a kid, I mean, you know, Rolf Harris was a, a, a performer, a famous person, did a lot of children's TV and all kinds of stuff, and I went to see him uh, do a big painting on the back of a lorry. It was an enormous painting that would have gone from this wall to that wall. I mean, very clever what he did, but because we didn't know then what we know now <coughs> about his lifestyle. And uh, I'm not saying that to denigrate him as a person, because we've all got our sins and things that we'd be ashamed of but more that no one knew at that time what was really going on. And sometimes we don't recognize people for who they really are. And I think in this context, in a very different way, some recognized who Jesus was coming into town, some did not. And I think that always makes me, provokes in me the question, do I still see how special Jesus is? I mean, I've known Jesus for a long time now. I think I'll know him eventually for a very, very long time, like eternal, you know. But it's, it's a long time I've known Jesus. But is he still as special to me now 
as he was when I first got to know him. And I'd like to leave that thought as we then move on, just with us to think about there. Is Jesus still special to you? And if so, what is it that makes him special in the way that he deserves to be? I like this quote, and I'm going to ask you who you think said it, and none of you are allowed to Google <laughs> while, while we uh, look at this quote. You Christians look after a document containing enough dynamite to blow all civilization to pieces, turn the world upside down, and bring peace to a battle-torn planet. But you treat it as though it is nothing more than a piece of literature. So as somebody who's not a Christian, not of the Christian faith said that. Anybody know who that was? Well, you get, unfortunately, this person is no longer with us, so you can't take it up with them. But I think somebody said it. It is Gandhi. It is Mahatma Gandhi. Isn't that an interesting thing? And because what we understand is, it's not just that this is a document, it's not just that this is a precious book to us, it's that it reveals the Word of God, it reveals the, the living Word of God, right? That's why we read our Bible and study it, it's because we, why we love Jesus. He's amazing, he is the dynamite, he is the one who can bring peace. I mean, Gandhi said it, I mean, he was somebody who wanted peace so much, but he says he, he could bring peace to a battle-torn planet. I mean, it's true. And he's brought peace to us. So, but he'll only bring further peace and enable us to bring peace to others if we recognize him still to be as special as he is. So, let's move on to a couple of the other points I want to talk about today. Um, from this passage, firstly, Jesus is longing to bring you peace. I think that's our first thought here. In this passage, he comes to Jerusalem, he longs to bring peace. I mean, he's desperate, he really, he's, he really wants to bring peace, he wants them to know the peace that he has to bring them. If only you, if you, if only you had known. He wants to bring peace, but obviously he cannot. Let's, let's just stop for a moment, can I ask us to talk to somebody next to you for a moment, about why you think Jesus wept. It says in this passage, he wept over Jerusalem. So what do you think is going on in his heart and his mind? Why is he weeping? Who is he weeping for? Just take, can we take two minutes for that? Why is Jesus weeping? Who is he weeping for? What do you think? What's going on in his heart, his mind? What's, what's causing him to, to weep? It's a very strong word. It means wailing. I mean, it's, it's really, you know, he's sobbing. Right? So, what do you think? Any ideas? Why is he I think he was sobbing for, for himself and the Pharisees or the Jews that he knew didn't believe in it. Right. Okay. And he knew what was going to happen to him. He knew what was coming. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's sad, but he was sort of sad for rejection. Well, he knew that he was going to be rejected. Okay. Great. He 
Sanyo, where you don't have to have sense of knowing the beautiful and if you get that kind of destruction. That could be physical, emotional, and also just the sadness of an end of, of thousands of years of, of, of people accepting him and coming back to the and going to God, yeah. That's, that's enough to make you cry, isn't it? But we're talking about how hard it must be to know the future. Yes, it's a burden. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's right. Uh, any other thoughts? Why, why he was weeping? I think he also saw the future of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and he knew that it was going to be. He sees the future of the city. And I think yes, because it's when he came, when behold it from a distance. I think he he knew that he could see that that's what was going to happen to it. And yeah. Super. Good, thank you. Anything else? Simon? I think Jesus has a genuine you know, love and emotional connection, emotional connection uh, to his brothers and uh, his, his relatives and family, the Jews, you know, yeah. and uh, after they rejected him, obviously the Romans didn't stop to punish those people. Yeah, there was, I think <coughs> that word love that you use is very important, isn't it? What's the motivation behind the weeping? Uh, I, I don't know how, I might not be able to ask you how many of us have wept significantly at points in our lives. I dare say it'll be all of us <coughs> at some point or other. In my own life, there have been times where I think I've wept for myself, not in a very healthy way, <coughs> more in a piteous, self-piteous way. There are other times I've wept for myself in the sense of mourning um, mistakes perhaps that I have made and it's part of owning them and there are other times I've wept where I've really wept for the consequences for other people of certain things that when people matter to me I honestly haven't wept very much for people I don't know or don't know very well or don't particularly care about, I can't think of that but I have wept for people that matter to me close to my heart and this is how Jesus I think is at this point there's something going on here very deep in terms of the love right here. Um, the peace he wants to bring is this uh, Greek word, irene, to bind together, to join and to weave together. It means that one is bound, woven and joined together with him or herself and with God and with others. This is a deep peace. It's a bonding together. It's a bonding that you could say, I mean, I suppose the marriage covenant might come close to this idea. That in marriage we have peace together. Hopefully we have peace in our marriages most of the time. Uh, when it's disturbed, we know about it, don't we? We feel it. <clears throat> but this, class, this lesson is not about marriage particularly today. But uh, I do pray that you have peace and if it's disturbed it gets um, restored uh, as soon as possible. The crowd in this situation rejoicing, the crowd are rejoicing, but Jesus is weeping. (coughs) Only he sees things as they really are, going back to your point about the future. Only he really knows what's coming. And I think that's partly for us as we read, as we hear about things that happen to our friends' lives, people we care about. It needs to affect us that we we need to allow ourselves to see things as they really are, not as we wish them to be. When there is pain there, it is there. There's an irony in the name of Jerusalem. Does anybody know what, what the name of Jerusalem means? It's got Shalom in it. Mm. God 
Peace. God of peace, place yeah. of peace. So Salem at the end, the word Salem means peace. Right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a real irony that the city of peace will not have the peace that God is bringing to it. What a sad state of affairs. Um, there's an opportunity that they fail to take. And just a thought as I go on and move on from this point, but it, it strikes me that part of what's happening here is we must take God's peace when it's available. We must make the most of the opportunity. When God comes knocking and says, I can give you peace, peace with me, peace with God, peace with the Holy Spirit, peace with one another, I can help you to have that peace. We must take the opportunity. Jesus came through town, and that was their last chance. (coughs) God is very patient, but time runs out. As someone's already mentioned, there there were devastating effects uh, uh, not long after this. The uh, Roman general, Titus, who became an emperor, but at the time was a general, statue of him there. Um, He was sent to Jerusalem to quell the uh, war and the riots that started in AD 66, accumulated in AD 70, by the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple by his armies. Uh, there's an arch in commemoration of his victory. That's in Rome. They put up a big arch celebrating how amazing he was as a general to destroy Jerusalem and plunder the temple. The <coughs> temple uh, of Jerusalem was the, was the place in the whole of the Roman Empire that had more precious gold and artifacts than any other place in the world. And it had been protected up till then, but they carried it away This is a a frieze from the side of the uh, arch where they're carrying away the menorah, which is gold and many other things from the uh, temple. And they took it all away, the lampstands and everything. And to the point where now, what's left? I mean, a a wall, or parts of a wall. The Wailing Wall, some of you will know that as. Some of us have been there, I think. Bromin, you and Charlotte have been there, you've been there, I think Penny... You and I, on different occasions, have, have been there. Uh, that's it. And of course there's a, a mosque on top there. And it was destroyed. And it was, I mean, I won't go into the detail, it's too horrible. I mean, if you read Josephus, Roman histori- uh, Jewish historian to the Romans from that time, he records what happened. Now the Christians knew this was coming, because they knew the Gospels, and so they, <laughs> most of them fled Jerusalem, and luckily were saved. Uh, fled to a place called Pella. But that's another story. Um, we must take the opportunity. And I want to urge any of us that haven't yet taken that opportunity to do so. We, we don't know how long uh, we have. So, uh, moving on to our second and last point. Um, Jesus goes into the temple after this, and I, our point is, Jesus will help you bring peace to others. Um, Jesus goes into the temple, which is of course meant to be a place where people can come and worship, and what does he find there? He finds the money changes and those selling um, things, and he drives them out. Verse 45. It is written, My house will be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of uh, robbers. So, um, what's going on here? He's upset, of course, in the other accounts. He talks about him making a, a cord of whip, a whip of cords, and, and driving out the animals, and not preventing them from carrying on any more business. Uh, in this account, uh, more, less, less detailed. <clears throat> but nonetheless... Jesus uh, has a conviction here that he wants to see through to uh, the end. The, 
Um, court of the Gentiles is where this is happening. So this is a model of what the temple would have looked like at the time. And the court of the Gentiles is the outer court. So you've got the uh, Holy of Holies in here. You've got the main part of the temple here. But there's a wall here. And beyond this wall, Gentiles are not allowed. So Gentiles are allowed in here or on the other side over there. But they're not allowed beyond this wall. Um, if you weren't uh, going to be um, pure, you weren't going to be uh, able to go in, you weren't allowed to go in, beyond the court of the Gentiles. Um, that's where all this commerce was taking place, and cluttering up the area, and preventing God's dream that his temple and the people of his people would attract people to uh, him, and the temple would do that. Uh, this stone is, has been unearthed by archaeologists, and it was a sign where that wall was. And it says this translated, No foreigner may enter within the railing and enclosure surrounding the temple. Whoever is captured will have himself to blame for his subsequent death. <laughs> so be, be warned, right? Cross that line and, and we'll capture you and kill you. Um, but that's how seriously they took it. But the court was there, so at least they could be close. At least they could hear the worship. At least they could smell the sacrifices. At least they could be in a place where they could be taught. They could learn about Yahweh. And they could become God-fearers. And they could become people of Israel. Even if they weren't born Jewish, you could still become people, part of the people of Israel as a God-fearer. But because of all this stuff going on, the Gentiles couldn't even get there. And it's symbolic of how Israel had strayed so far from being God's ambassadors to the world. They'd allowed the clutter of stuff. It's not that the selling of animals was actually banned. And it's not that the changing of money was banned. Actually, that's okay. You had to change from the Roman money into Jewish temple coinage. That was actually fine. And you needed animals for the sacrifices. That wasn't actually the problem. The problem was the location. The problem was where it was happening in the court of the Gentiles. And the fact that it was getting in the way of the Gentiles coming close to God. And sometimes, and this is how I may interpret this for my own life here, I think, is that sometimes I forget that some of the things that are in my life, that may not be sin, but are they helpful? Are, they, are things cluttering up my life that are preventing me from being what I can be for God in this world <coughs> to attract people to Jesus Christ? Am I using my time wisely? Am I, I, hobbies are good, but am I overindulging in or are those hobbies getting in the way? Is the way I the way I work, my work patterns, my uh, the way I use my money, the way I use I don't know, but the things in my life, you know, if you wrote write down the things in, in life, are they getting in the way? And I think now and again it's good to do a little bit of a, a check on that and get sober about it. And maybe not, but maybe as we reflect, we think, actually, there's too much clutter. Well, let me deal with it. So let me encourage us to think about whether there's clutter. We are called to be peacemakers. There's a big difference <clears throat> between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. Uh, some things are called peacemakers. Um, the Colt Single Action Army Revolver was called a peacemaker. I'm not sure that really works. Or the, this, this bomber from the 1940s and 50s, the Convair B-36 Peacemaker, <clears throat> which was the first <coughs> bomber designed to take nuclear bombs uh, without having to be modified. Uh, or this uh, ballistic missile, bizarrely called a peacekeeper. Um, we understand the political philosophy behind it, but honestly, I don't think Jesus is talking about that kind of thing. He's not talking about nuking somebody else so they won't cause you any more problems. Nor is he calling, uh, talking about shooting someone who gives you an argument. No, he's talking about being a peacemaker. 
That's the Matthew 5 passage, right? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Are we being peacemakers? Is there clutter in our lives preventing us from being a peacemaker? Is there sin, maybe, in our lives that's preventing us from being a peacemaker? Or from being at peace with God? Or being at peace with our wife? Being at peace with our children? Being at peace with our neighbours, with our work colleagues, with with the most annoying person you can think of right now. But being a peacemaker, offering ourselves to be there to help people to come close to God. seems to me this is at least part of what's going on here and is in the heart of God. So just to wrap up here, how do we find peace? How do we get more peace? I think a few ways. Firstly, we must accept the peace giver or the peace bringer. We've got to accept Jesus for who he is and he will bring us the peace that we need. He is the king. He is the one that's humble. He is the one that loves us. And that's why he wept over Jerusalem. Because he has peace to bring us. Secondly, let's take the peace while it's on offer. Of course, Jesus will continue to offer us peace for as long as we have breath in our bodies. But we don't know how long that will be. Let's accept the peace that he brings. And thirdly, let's clear out any obstacles in our way to either accepting and enjoying the peace or being able to be the peace and <coughs> bring the peace to other people. And be the peacemakers that God has planned for us all to be. Let's enjoy the peace that Christ has to offer us. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen.